This week, we sat down with Savash Koban, an industrial engineer, serial entrepreneur, and CEO at SmartLens, the first electronics-free soft contact lens that measures eye pressure and its fluctuations throughout the day. Join host Isan Sadri, MD, for a riveting conversation on the future of glaucoma care. Hi, everybody. This is our Dr. Asan Sadri, board-certified ophthalmologist here in uh, Newport Beach, California. I'm also the co-founder and uh, GP of uh, Visionary Ventures, also here in Orange County. I'm actually really excited to bring Savash Koban, who's the CEO and co-founder of SmartLens, uh, as my guest. The SmartLens is a clinical stage medical technology company that basically aims at preventing blindness uh, due to glaucoma. He's also a partner of Mighty Capital and chairman of the uh, Silicon Valley Ignite. So um, obviously he's a leading entrepreneur here and uh, in, a, in, in this ecosystem and important to us in eye care. And for those of you who follow this, you know that's my passion. So Sabash, uh, so good to see you. How you been? You been okay? Yeah, pleasure to be here. Yeah, we're, we're glad to have you. Um, and, and I know things have been tough at home, but um, thank you for coming on. Um, uh, at this time, it's a pretty important time in the company. So, tell us a little bit uh, about your background um, and what made you focus in ophthalmology. Yeah, uh, I'm an industrial engineer by training and a serial, a serial entrepreneur for the last two decades. Um, I remember myself from my very early childhood being actively involved in business. My dad was running a, a shoe manufacturing company, and I was with him after the school hours and during my holidays. And it was kind of my first virtual company because he was giving me some, some kind of responsibility and he was treating me like his partner in business. And I think that uh, that experience was somewhat influential on me and I always wanted to become an entrepreneur. And uh, my formula for that was studying industrial engineering because it would give me an um, understanding of different engineering disciplines and also the management itself. So right after college, I started my career as a business systems and management consultant. Uh, it was the late 90s and there was this global, globalization wave of globalization. And there was the need for uh, transforming businesses to the new economy, making them more competitive and so. And, uh, and I was believing that there is a different way to do things uh, than the incumbent big, uh, big six. It's big four now. And... Uh, I want to start my own company, but I needed a team. And without a team, you cannot start a company. And uh, I could convince four of my colleagues to join me as my co-founders. And we started our company uh, only after 18 months in that sector. I was young and brave enough to do that. Um, we were, what we were doing was we were de- developing uh, business solutions that streamlined uh, end-to-end operations for life sciences and several other industries. And uh, what we were doing was we were streamlining their operations from sales to supply chain, finance to HR, and strategic planning. Um, and that was, that was my first experience with some of the biggest ophthalmology companies then. Actually, we were uh, trying to solve their toughest business challenges, and it was indeed a difficult job. But on the other hand, uh, I was enjoying it because I was always learning new things, and it was also giving me this sense of accomplishment as our customers were growing, they were investing in new fields, 
and they were creating more jobs and so. And uh, yeah, it all went very good over there. And uh, we, we had a good team. We had a great team and a great company culture. And it helped us to grow the business uh, very quickly. And uh, we grew the business to more than 500 customers in uh, 40 different countries. And, uh, and then you were receiving uh, strategic offers from, from some of the largest companies. And uh, we had an offer from Entity Japan, and which was a very good fit for us. And uh, I promised to stay with them for more years. And during that time, it was also a good, very good learning opportunity for me. We did, we did great things together. We uh, grew the business again five times in four years. And after that, for me personally, it was the time to move forward and to find a new way to use my experience and technology in a novel way, in a more direct way to make uh, for the good of people, to, to, to make a better impact uh, on lives. You just tell the truth. You're a, you're a startup junkie and you couldn't, uh, you couldn't rehab in a big company. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. And then, yeah, I was reading that uh, you were featured in the Fortunes 40 Under 40. Can you tell us about that. That's a big deal. Yeah, it was. It was when I was uh, when I was with my previous business, and uh, they were making this list annual lists, and uh, they they had also listed me in one of those listings. Yeah. That's great. That's terrific. So, so then you, you finish uh, with uh, the Japanese NTT, right? And uh, you, um, after you have this experience, you, what, how, what led you to Smart Lens? Why glaucoma? Why ophthalmology? How did that uh, come about? Uh-huh. Yeah, during those times, as I said, I was looking for a new cause to use my experience and to make really a bigger and more direct impact on lives. Uh-huh. And, uh, and during those times, I met with my co-founders, two very smart scientists from Stanford, and they were working on this huge problem for ophthalmology, for remote IOP monitoring. And I was also having a personal connection to this problem because both my parents were suffering from glaucoma, and I'm also personally at high risk uh, for the disease. And I could understand why this is a big problem and why you need a solution for that. But... Uh, I didn't rush. I, I took some time off. I made my own research and I met with several KLs during that time. And I also went through the uh, Stanford Biodesign curriculum to, to make sure that I'm not missing anything, any important details. And then in the end, I said that, yeah, this is going to be the cause. I will devote myself. I will put my money in. I will spend my time to bring this technology to life because it's so important. Yeah, that's terrific. I remember, and I, you know, you've been involved so heavily now in ophthalmology, and and you know what a what a unique time, right? In COVID, has yeah. uh, and we'll talk about that and that how that I believe will help the com- help what you're doing. It was an unmet need, but tell me how's that impacted your uh, progress uh, with Smart Lens? Uh, the COVID, yeah. Actually, uh, certain things had to slow down, especially the external collaborations, you know, due to this shelter in place and everything. But on the other hand, we could really accelerate on the clinical path. And we got, uh, we recently got uh, early results from our clinical trials and we got very good results. So that was good. And also additionally, I think this whole thing, this whole COVID, COVID times, I think, has shown everyone that all of us that how urgently we need capabilities out of office and how urgently we need uh, solutions for remote patient monitoring and uh, and and uh, enabling patients and being, uh, keeping patients engaged also outside the office. 
Yeah, I, I think as a, you know, as a, as a healthcare provider, uh, you know, be, the idea of having the patient involved in their ability to be able to um, navigate and also just kind of interocular pressure measurements uh, so they don't have to come in. I think that's very attractive uh, for a lot of us. As you know, um, it's it's very difficult to get patients in right now during COVID, especially yeah. the ones that are scared to come in. Yeah. Majority of patients, I think they're still coming in. I would probably rank cataract number one because they need to see they're coming in. I would tell you, though, a lot of the patients who have glaucoma, they're like less than delighted to come in. They're hearing the news, a number yeah. scared. So I love what you're doing. Tell us how that's going to, you think, impact um, the way um, manage, we manage glaucoma. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, actually, the, the thing is, you know, you already know the need. And uh, currently, we have, we have really uh, limitations, significant limitations in managing the patients and uh, getting to know their IOP. So the interesting thing is that uh, I have been always thinking about this. You know, IOP is the primary and only risk, uh, only treatable risk factor for glaucoma, and we only get a few seconds of IOP understanding per year per patient. And this is this is this is in the best case if the patient is compliant, if the patient is keeps visiting their doctor, and so IOP fluctuates, and we just have a snapshot of IOP, and then we expect doctors to make their you know it's like like an art they are making their best estimates how to uh, control the disease, how to regulate the treatment and everything. And this is what we, we, we are trying to help because the need has already been defined by several, in, in several studies, by, by doctors, by key opinion leaders, and also by the industry leaders. Uh, we, need, we need more frequent IOP measurements, we need the diurnal IOP curve, and we need the capability to, to get to know how the patient is doing when they are not in the office. So let's talk about that. Let's talk a little bit more about smart lens. Um, you know, and the, the you know, you've got the go-to-market strategy and, you know, you've got a competitive landscape. But at the end of the day, none of these things are meeting the end, end requirements. And, I, I, you know, what you're doing is you've got a unique opportunity and your go-to-market is referrals through fittings, right, through physicians and a recurring revenue model. Let's talk about that a little bit. Can you tell us about your go-to-market strategy and how you're positioning your, your company in, in this unique way? Yeah, let's first uh, talk about, the, uh, I mean, the technology, how it is different than the competition and everything. So, uh, you know, uh, yeah, as I mentioned, this, uh, the need has already been defined, but nobody, nobody could come up with a reliable and accurate solution, a convenient solution to address this need. And uh, there are some existing devices, but uh, they, are, they are not providing accurate measurements and they are not easy to use, not convenient to use, they're expensive, and, uh, and there, there are also some other, other factors not making them an ideal solution. So when we, when we, when we started SmartLess before uh, designing, before building our product, we have defined some design criteria. And we said that, this should give the best possible experience to our users and the doctors. And for that, we said that it should be a non-invasive device. It should be easy to use. It should be electronics-free, power-free, and, 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 and it should be, of course, accurate measurements. And what we thought was this, this, uh, the, the, the device would also be used not only for the patients, but also for people who are at risk for the disease. 
so that it will be an easily accessible device for anyone who needs it. So these were our design criteria, and we built our device by sticking to these, crit these criteria. Uh, and our, we built first MyLens, and we have some other following technologies as well in our portfolio. And let me explain how MyLens is working and then how we are, make, how, how we are, planning, uh, uh, how we are making our plans regarding go-to-market and manufacturing and everything. So regarding the technology side, actually our lens is, uh, it, it's, it's, it's a, like a regular contact lens, soft contact lens, and it has an uh, embedded microfluidic sensor in it. So the working principle of, uh, of the device is, is capturing the corneal curvature in a very sensitive way based on the volume of the intraocular fluid. So the basic difference from the trigger device, uh, trigger fish devices, uh, our technology is not relying on shear strain. It's, it's not dependent on shear strain. It's volume based. And, and so we can, uh, we can very sensitively measure uh, the IOP from the cornea. And the readout is, we have a readout mechanism, a readout channel, and our readout is working like a thermometer. It's showing us the volumetric response uh, based on the pressure inside the eye. So this is the basic difference because the audience could have questions about, okay, what is the difference? There, there were some previous electronic-based contact lenses and they provided something, but you know maybe it was not satisfactory. And I just wanted to explain this. So regarding go-to-market, uh, so the first version will be a daily disposable contact lens because the regulatory pathway is the shortest for that one. And then in the future, we are going to have longer term wear uh, versions. And uh, our primary channels will be the physicians and optometrists, and we will have subscription packages. So uh, those subscription packages are based on number of days of measurements per month. So based on the disease state, physicians and optometrists, they will refer their patients to us. So if it's, a, if it's an advanced glaucoma patient, they would ask for maybe five or six days of measurements per month. If, it's someone, if it is someone at, uh, at high risk, it could be different. So it will be the doctor's decision. For that patient, what kind of data they would like to say, how often they would like to see uh, the measurements. And for those days, we are providing uh, IOP measurements for, for every hour. And if they do not want it more frequently, and doctor can always change it. Doctor can say that I just want it every two hours or I want it every 10 minutes or every 30 minutes. The, the reason here is we don't want to send them tons of data because we know doctors, they have very limited time. And we just want to provide them an easy to use dashboard so that they see their patients over there and with the traffic lights, green and red lights, and they can easily focus on when there is an issue. So the, the, the idea here is not to just send them tons of data, but if they, of course, if they want to go uh, deep dive, if they want to go into details and understand what's going on, they can always do that. But at the first glance, we just want to show them their dashboard and easy to use dashboard. Just let them know how their patients are, are doing, doing right now. And, uh, and regarding the model, the, the, uh, the revenue model, we are going to charge the lens fees to the patients and doctors are charging the, uh, the time they are spending. And the good news is both of these charges are reimbursable. So we currently have existing CPT codes. And through those uh, CPT codes, uh, both uh, the fee for lenses and the, the, doctor, the time doctors are spending are, are being reimbursed. 
And currently for RPM, for remote uh, physiological management, for remote patient management, uh, the uh, up to $136 per month per patient can be reimbursed uh, currently, yeah, with, with the current CPT codes. So this is really a, a very, uh, I think, a very good potential uh, for, for the clinics and for a recurring revenue line, which is very much needed uh, these days. That's terrific. That's a really good overview. Um, and you, so your strategy is to do a 510K submission, right? Right. Uh, the IP filings. <clears throat> Can you um, tell us what you're doing as far as the financing now? Are you, are you Series A, B? What are, what are you doing now? Yeah, we have been quite capital efficient and we have come this far with a single round of investment. And we, did, we only did a seed round and now we are raising an A round. And uh, we are raising this A, a round to finish the clinical trials to, uh, to make FDA submission and uh, country IP filings. We currently have, uh, we, we, we have strong IP, we currently have 10 patents. Um, four of them are already granted. So scientifically speaking, we have introduced many novel concepts. And regarding this round, regarding this, this financing round, uh, this will help us, this will give us a 24 months runway and we are going to be somewhere very close to FDA clearance uh, uh, after that time. And so that's that's uh, that's our goal. That's terrific. That's really good. And then you know you you've got your board of directors, and you're you're now mobilizing on the moving the ball down the field, as they say. Um, I'm I'm delighted to have you on here, and I you know I think it's a very um, uh, sort of unmet need what you're doing, uh, especially where you're it's not based on any electronics. I think. What you have is a unique model. Um, I think we just have to kind of help you get some data and go from there. Tell us a little about what's the next year to assume you got the um, funding in place. What does that look like? What What does your clinical uh, trials and pipeline look like? Yeah, uh, we have several sites for in the U.S. locally, and we are going to start the U.S. clinical trials. So it's going to be a single day study, and it's going to be somewhere between thirty to fifty subjects. And what we, what we will do is we are currently comparing our results with, uh, with Goldman. So we are gonna show the correlation between Goldman and, and our device and currently we see a very good correlation. And that's our aim to publish uh, those results as, as the clinical results. And uh, we, we, we are anticipating that in the next 12 months, we are gonna finish uh, this period and then uh, FDA uh, filing will come and we are gonna have this 510K pathway and in 24 months or so, we are planning to get cleared. I, I know this is a little, bit, a little bit ambitious, but this is our plan. And based on what we have done so far, I, I think we can, we, I believe that we will be able to do this. So as a clinician, the only thing I would ask is, so, you know, when we're, when we're seeing patients, do you feel like you can get any pushback for clinicians with contacts and glaucoma, especially with the elderly? Have you, uh, we've talked about that. What do you, what do you, how do you address that? Yeah, actually, the thing is, this is not an everyday everyday wear contact lens. So it's a medical device in the end, and it, it's coming in contact lens format. So, uh, so say that for example, for for a patient, doctor would, would like to see three days or four days of measurement per per month. So it's just one day a week or or so. And uh, we have tested this in in different subjects, and dry eye or other conditions doesn't affect uh, the comfort and and all the other stuff. So if the patients will have, you know, serious difficulty, 
uh, we are we, we will have the optometrists and you know they are they are really trained on putting the contacts on and removing it so patients can always get some help from the optometrists which are which are nearby which are close by but on the other hand we do not see a big issue about wearing and removing the contact and the readout for the readout part uh, taking the picture with your smartphone. So the, the working principle of our lens is the person is wearing the lens and they are taking the pictures of their eye throughout the day. And in the device, it's just the pictures. And then we are uploading pictures to the cloud and it's uh, our software is processing the pictures and reading the IOP levels. Okay, this is basically how it works. And for, for, for our senior citizens, if that's going to be a problem, we just uh, design then uh, an additional goggle for their use. And they just put the goggle on and the goggle is making the recording itself and it's sending the data to the cloud and the patient doesn't need to do anything else. They, they don't need to uh, take care of, you know, smart, smartphone notifications, smartphone camera and things like that. So goggle, actually we, we, we love goggle because it's, it's giving us much more data points than the smartphone photos. Yeah. Yeah, and you're taking the you're taking the patient element out of it, which is really smart. Yeah. I, I really like that. And then so so tell us, you know, if we were to kind of evaluate this um, technology, uh, what's the endpoint? Are we, um, you know, are you gonna? What's your, you know, you, you've got the IP, you've got what is the liquidity horizon and exit potential look like, or something like this? Are you yeah, are you uh, strategics? Are you thinking of? latching other um, technologies? Mm-hmm. Actually, yeah, we, we would like to stay on the technology side. So for go-to-market and for manufacturing, we are going to outsource and we are going to utilize established channels. And for the, so this is our strategy. This is our basic strategy. For the liquidity side, for, 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 a, for a possible exit, so I think ophthalmology is a, you know, is a small industry. Everyone knows each other and we already know most of the people from the companies and from the strategics, and we have good relationships with them. Uh, and yeah, it will be dependent on what's going to be valuable for us, for, 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 our, uh, for our stakeholders and for those companies. And I think in two to four years time frame, an exit event is likely to happen. Very good. And then, you know, last but not least, we want to talk about your background and, you know, legacy. And so, you know, you've had, um, a capability of, of joining a global company and you've had an exit. So what, what are your thoughts when you talk about young Savash starting out 20 years younger? You're 20, but let's say they were younger than me. What would you tell them? What would you tell them to avoid? Pearls and pitfalls, I call it. Yeah, I, I would say, uh, I mean, I would say for becoming an entrepreneur, you really need a good reason. So that, that would be the first thing. So Think, think really uh, deep enough before starting a company, before starting a business and so. But you need that good reason. And if you are 99% decided, that's not enough. It's, it really wants full commitment. Uh, other than that, I think the people you are working with is really very important than, than you would ever think. Everyone is saying this, but I, would, I, I just want to say this once again. I would tell my own self, <laughs> I would tell, tell this, especially as, an, as, as a good experience. And, and moreover, then, then you have the right people, not for the expertise, but also for the character, the right people to work together. Mm-hmm. And then it's all about what kind of a team you are. I mean, what kind, 
because you need you really need that infectious energy to be one to be one team and to succeed as as one team. Those would be my uh, my my advice for for anyone. Yeah. Yeah. My nine year old this morning when she was leaving, she said, "Daddy, teamwork makes a dream work." I was like, "Wow, that's good. I want to. I want to." <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> So, uh, but with that said, I really want to appreciate it. We're coming up in our 30-minute mark, and I really want to appreciate you coming on. Um, uh, such a crazy time right now for you and the family and also just, you know, the COVID. And uh, I'm, I'm actually delighted to have you um, present to our launchpad um, the following week. Um, so we're excited about that. And uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Science Visit Play, you're speaking. Thanks for joining us on this week's OIS podcast. Innovation is the lifeblood of eye care, and we are thrilled to take a deeper dive into SmartLens. Join us next week for a great conversation that took place during the recent OIS European Showcase between Joe Sullivan of Emmatropes and Tim Clover, the CEO of Rainer. Also, stay on the lookout for future programs at OIS.net.